the Old Testament of our Bible is sometimes daunting. Scan the pages of the good book and you will hear of genocide, violence, polygamy, and other hard-to-handle issues. Some might think the God of the Old Testament was different than our caring and compassionate Jesus. They are wrong. Our God is the God of the Old and the New Testament, whether we always understand it or not. So why read the Old Testament? It tells us where we've been, it tells us where we're going. We see the beauty of God's love, and it swells with prophecies about Jesus. We love the Old Testament because Jesus loves it. Join us as we continue our ongoing series, Origins, Studying the Bible Jesus Read. Yeah. Hey, good to be with you guys. I'm Dale. I'm the lead pastor for City Life Church, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to be here. You know, Sunday is my favorite day of the week. Um, I, I love what our church has become, and uh, I hope that you do too. I hope that you feel like you can be struggling and you can be here. hope that you feel like um, you can be a bad place and you're not just going to be judged when you're here. And so one of the things that I, I love about this church is we, we really care about each other. And so I hope you feel that. I also hope you're feeling this weather right now. Awesome. I love it. Okay. So I know some of you guys love it warm. I'll just tell you, when I was in like Scotland and Ireland and it was like rainy and cold the whole time, I was like, these are my people. <laughs> this, I guess that I must be related to them, which I am. And uh, I love the cold rainy days because I just have, like sweating is not my deal. So uh, today's message is called the slow lane and you'll see why. And uh, today we're going to be in Exodus 20, 8 through 11. Now we have Bibles available there. We have some cheesy paperback Bibles that you can take. You can give out to your friends. I don't care. We also have some really nice one in, ones in boxes. And if you've never had a really nice Bible with study notes in it and things like that, um, I hope you'd grab one. And uh, if you have 10 bucks to throw in the offering, please do. And if you don't, take it anyway. We want you to have it. As long as you'll study it, not just like prop up a table with it. Um, so Exodus 28 through 11 is where we're going to be. Not 28, but 20 dash Eight through 11. Um, for our translation, buenos dias, si necesita escuchar a sermón en español, tenemos dispositivo de, dispositivos de traducción para usted al costado de la sala. I have this feeling like if I say the translation thing fast enough, then I'll feel like a Spanish speaker. <laughs> it never works. All right, so we're going to be Exodus 20, dash 8 through 11. Will you join me in God's word? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You must not do any work, you, your son, or your daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock, or the resident alien who is within your city gates. For the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them in six days. Then he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. Friends, today we're going to talk about trusting God enough to rest and finding that he is enough. That is God's word, and I ask that you would join me in prayer. Father, we thank you for doing uh, what it took to put us in your family this morning. Um, those of us who come from all kinds of different backgrounds, those who have all kinds of different struggles and hurts, God, you have brought us here together for a reason. We ask that you would encourage, uh, encourage us today by the power of your Holy Spirit. 
Um, would you be with our friends today who are suffering from mental illness, addiction, physical pain, and hopelessness? Would you feel, would you feel close to them this morning? God, I also just want to lift up real, real quickly the, the people in Wuhan, China right now, the people who are suffering from disease, the people who feel stuck, uh, those who are, uh, are, feel so alone right now, those who are not getting the food they need or the medical attention that they need. God, we ask that you, great Jehovah Jireh, would provide in a great way, in a way that would cause them to know you, Lord. Um, God, I ask that your gospel would uh, penetrate all of China, and we thank you that you are doing work even now there. Um, and so we just ask your blessing on the people of Wuhan. We pray for healing. We ask that you would bless them, watch over them. Finally, we ask that today's message would encourage us and not discourage us. Thank you for putting um, light burdens on us, not heavy ones that would crush our spirits. God, we appreciate your desire for us to rest, and uh, we want to rest in you this morning. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sabbath rest. You know, it, it's really cool to preach straight through the Bible uh, and through books because um, as a pastor, we preach on things that we wouldn't normally preach on. Um, and, that, and Sabbath rest is something that I just don't even want to touch. Uh, and yet, here we are in the text, and it's what God has us uh, hearing about today. If my sermon prep this week was only for me, I think it would be worth it. Um, it's hard to preach in the 21st century about Sabbath rest in the United States and with me as your preacher for several reasons. Um, one, we don't necessarily celebrate the Sabbath on Saturday anymore, do we? Um, it was very common for the church, uh, the Christian church, to move over to Sunday and see Sabbath as the Lord's Day. Um, the day that Christ rose was when we switched over this idea of when we would celebrate Sabbath. Um, Colossians 2 is a, a book, it's a part of the Bible, and it says that we should not quibble over which days we should celebrate the Sabbath. Now, that's my own translation, um, but it does not do away with the Sabbath, but it does say, like, how we celebrate it doesn't always look the same to each other. So that's different as well, isn't it? Um, also, you know, most Christians celebrate it on, on Sunday, and so that changes it. I already said that, but I don't know why I have it twice in my notes. Um, more reasons talking about the Sabbath gets murky. Um, we don't rest well as Americans, do we? We are so bad at this. This is something that we're all going to listen to and go a little bit like, uh, I don't like that. Here's another reason why it's hard to preach about. Because I stink at this. Friends, I am standing before you saying that I have sinned in this way on occasion, um, and sometimes many occasions. I was fighting with my wife this week about Sabbath rest. And, and one of my responses was, well, I'm preaching on it on Saturday. I should know. <laughs> and her response is like, well, uh, let's see that. Show me. <laughs> and uh, like, I just, it's so hard to be fighting about how to Sabbath with your wife and then preach about it on Sunday where she's like, hey, are you taking time in the word today? Are you really, uh, are you really Sabbathing? And I'm like, ah, I, I mean, I've learned all about it this week. Um, that counts, right? Here's the deal. Friends, this is a growth point for me as well as you. So if you hear anything that is, like, feels judgmental about you taking Sabbath rest from me, um, this sermon's from me. So if any of you guys get anything from it beyond that, like, I'm stoked. Um, here's another reason why it's hard. And this is not for everybody, but um, I don't know if you found this, but sometimes work is fun. Does anybody else have that? Sometimes you will find uh, something that you enjoy doing. 
It's not always fun for everybody, but we're talking about multifaceted things, right? For some of us, there are parts of work that are fun. Um, let me just tell you, my job's hard. I love it. And um, if the Lord didn't impose restrictions, I would probably do it every single day and not rest. Um, also, uh, another problem is that our idea of Sabbath usually can involve Netflix, um, athletic events, um, and all these other things that would just fill our time. But, but God has a, a better plan for us. And um, so for us, it's for us, friends. Sabbath is for us. God loves us, and he has rules for us so that we might flourish because he loves us. That God that sometimes feels like a stodgy rule maker in the sky actually does what he does because he wants to see us triumph. For some reason, this is the longest commandment in the Ten Commandments in the Bible. For some reason, God puts some real effort and time into what he's saying here. Sabbath is mentioned 11 times in the Jewish Pentateuch, and it's mentioned 100 times in the Old Testament. So we know that if I'm talking about something and I repeat it over and over again, Aztecs are winning, Aztecs are 24-0, Aztecs are great right now, Who, y- Yanni Wetzel is doing awesome, Matt Mitchell, like um, Malachi Flynn. If I start talking about something, you know it's important to me. In the same way, if God mentions Sabbath rest 100 times in the Old Testament, well, guess what? It's important to him, right? Now, um, to some of us, this, uh, this, this Old Testament Shabbat um, word It's a discipline that no longer matters. But in a society like ours, with more depression, obesity, less free time, Sabbath feels more relevant than it has ever felt, friends. And today, I have three points on Sabbath for you. And the first point is this. The Sabbath is for remembering and resting. The Sabbath is for remembering and resting. Let me read to you again. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You are to labor six days, do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. You must not do any work, you, your son or daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock or the resident alien who is within your city gates. Now, in order to understand this idea of holy rest, we first have to understand why God needed to teach his people about it. History lesson, love this. I love giving you history lessons. You guys know it. Um, Now, uh, if you know Genesis in your Bible, this will not all be new to you. Um, But there was once a Jewish man named Joseph um, who was second in command in Egypt. Joseph was the OG in Egypt. Um, But the thing is, is um, this great story about Joseph that is a true story in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, um, tells us a little bit more after Joseph is gone. It says that um, while he was so important to the king, something happened. And, and he was forgotten. Let me read to you from Exodus 1, 8 through 11. Exodus 1, 8 through 11. A new king who did not know about Joseph came to power in Egypt. He said to his people, look, the Israelite people are more numerous and powerful than we are. Come, let's deal shrewdly with them. Otherwise, they will multiply further. And when war breaks out, they will join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So the Egyptians assigned taskmasters over the Israelites to oppress them with forced labor. They built Pithom and Ramesses as supply cities for Pharaoh. So friends, the Jewish people were in Egypt for 430 years. 430 years. Now to put that in, uh, in context, how long has our country been around? About 240. So, so when you think about 430 years in Egypt, and we've been in the United States for 240-ish, give or take, well, 
most likely they were enslaved for at least 350 years. So they were enslaved longer than we were a country. Now, if I'm wrong about that, I'm wrong about it. But let me just say this. It seems quickly after Joseph that the people are forgotten, that Joseph is forgotten. And so we have to assume that this slavery was happening early on for a long time. So you had people in slavery. Now, now what happens when you are in slavery? Well, are you treated like a human being? No. You're treated like a commodity. You're traded. You're sold. You're treated poorly because who really cares? What matters is that they get what they want from you. Now, if you remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about how Israel had probably spent lots of time learning about the Egyptian quote-unquote gods. It's probably one of the reasons why God was so quick to tell them not to worship other gods, right? At the beginning of uh, these Ten Commandments, we see don't worship other gods. Um, Well, it's because they lived with, you know, quote-unquote other gods for 430 years. That would affect them. Well, in the same way, if these people were in slavery for hundreds of years, it would have probably also put them in a habit of nonstop work. The Egyptians saw the Hebrew Hebrew slaves as expendable so they could work them seven days a week because slavery is evil and also because because they would do whatever they wanted. And and they they didn't have anyone who would say anything to them about it. There was no one who would come in and say, this is wrong. Why? Well, because they were in charge. But there was a season and a time when God came in and said, hey, this is wrong, and you need to stop now. But damage is done over generations, isn't it? So you have people enslaved for all this time. Well, do you think that when someone is freed from slavery that they quickly just change immediately, that they, they feel free, that they know they're free? Not necessarily. And in many ways, I'm sure that even though God heard the cries of his people and freed them, that they still felt enslaved. The terrible sin of slavery has done damage to generations and generations of God's people and has taught them that work without rest is normal. And we see it in the United States and we saw it in Egypt. God is telling them to learn his ways and reject what they've been taught by the cruelty of Egypt. So let's assume that you find yourself in this place that says, I don't want to be a slave to work. I don't want to be a slave to these things. Let's assume you want to honor God and the Sabbath. And you may ask me, Pastor, I love that idea, but how? Because on your Sabbath, you really find that there's a lot of things you want to do around the house even. You may find that you just want to sit and rest and watch a movie. But Sabbath is meant to be time with God. Not just because he said stop. So we need to define what Sabbath is. So let me continue on that. Sabbath isn't just a day off. That's what Eugene Peterson calls bastard Sabbath. Um, He's a pastor, so I can repeat that, right? right. And he's, you know, passed away, so it's even more like, okay now. Sabbath is not about what you are not allowed to do. Sabbath is about what you do. It's about what we get to do. We get to spend time with God, and I'm just hearing my wife's thoughts like, you should listen to your own sermon, pastor. Okay. But we get to remember, and trust me, I get it, because my house always has something that needs work. Lawn that needs cutting, weeds that need to be pulled by the roots, people I can visit in prison, people who are calling me, asking for help. Yo, there are times when I turn off my phone, so if I don't get back to you within 12 hours, there may be a reason that I'm Sabbathing. So, um, you know, if you really need to get a hold of me, you can, but I will just tell you, there are times when I'll turn off my phone because I just can't, can't. I can't do that for that long. And I look at the weeds around my house, and I think, 
this is the Sabbath, and sometimes I think maybe I could pull weeds and like worship God at the same time. Maybe I could take my kids to the doctors and worship God at the same time. But I tell you, um, we will always need oil changes. We will always need doctor visits. And yet still somehow God calls us to Sabbath and remember. How do we do this, friends? I'm still trying to figure this out. But here's, here's what I can say to you. This is absolutely a command from God, and there's, no, there's nothing in the New Testament that says it's been rescinded. We see that God, that Jesus is Lord the Sabbath, and Jesus heals people on the Sabbath, but we're still left with this understanding of this like nebulous idea of what Sabbath is. But what I do know is the Sabbath is for remembering and resting. I can tell you that. Do I know how to do it? No. But Sabbath <laughs> is for remembering and resting. God wants his rest to be holy. In verse 8, it starts out saying, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, the word for holy is kadash. Kadash, which means consecrated, sanctified, prepared, dedicated, hallowed, holy, separate. This does not involve me watching the Queen of Katwe on Disney+. Plus. This is me spending time with the Lord and asking him to guide me, spending time with him because I enjoy him. I, I watched the Queen of Katwe on Disney Plus on Saturday, I will tell you. But here's the thing. God also says to remember here. He says to remember. Now, if you are older than 30, I'm sure you remember where you were at 9-11, don't you? Do you remember? It, it's like burned in your brain. I remember I was in my bedroom asleep, and my dad came in, uh, and I, I, you know, I had that 30 minutes before I had to go uh, to school at Grossmont. I was like, 30 more minutes of sleep. That's like the most important, you know, just like, oh, dude, I can't go back to sleep now. My dad comes in, planes are going into buildings everywhere. The world is ending. And I'm like, okay. And I fell back asleep. <laughs> I remember that just like it was yesterday. And then I remember going to my first class, uh, taking, a, a, uh, uh, taking a final, not a final, I guess September, taking a big test. And then I went to my second class, and then I remember the teacher saying, do you really all know what ha just happened? And then I went to the student center, and I watched the TV, and it's burned in my brain. The first time I saw an airplane fly into a building, I will never, ever forget where I was, what I saw, how it changed the world. It, ge it still gives me uh, goosebumps thinking about it, and not positive, just goosebumps. But because of September 11th, we say, never forget we say never forget because it matters when we remember. It matters what we remember. It, it, to remember means to make sure that it never happens again. It changes the way we live and move forward when we remember. Now, other generations um, want to remember what it took to get the ability to vote. There are people who went before us that, that fought for the vote. Friends, uh, suffrage was a, a knockdown, drag-out fight for a large percentage of our country. None worse than the black voters in the South. Now, there's a guy named Medgar Evers, and I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's known as a civil rights hero who fought for the right to vote in Mississippi, so much so that his parents were receiving nightly death threats because of the work he was doing. Now, in his autobiography, Mr. Evers recalled a rally in the town square where they were threatened, and this is what they said in the town square. The best way to keep a N-word, I'm not going to say it, from the polls on election day is to visit him the night before. This is what was going on in our country not that long ago. Yep. Now, I want you to listen and remember the words of Medgar Evers when he went to vote. This is what he said happened. He said, the six of us gathered at my house, and we walked to the polls. I'll never forget it. 
Not a Negro was on the streets. And when we got to the courthouse, the clerk said he wanted to talk with us. When we got into his office, some 15 or 20 armed white men surged in behind us. Men I had grown up with, had played with. Friends, there's a reason why we remember. That's, and because we remember what it took to fight for the vote, to fight for the vote is why we go and we vote. Which is why when we see something wrong in our government, we say, I'm going to vote to change this. Because people before us fought for it. Mr. Evers was eventually assassinated by a member of the White Citizens Council in Jackson, Mississippi. When we celebrate Black History Month, we celebrate men like Evers, who were murdered. Let us not forget that, was, that what he gave was his life in sacrifice so men and women in our country might have equality and might have the right to vote. We remember so it never happens again. We observe Sabbath rest so we can never forget God. It helps us to remember that we aren't God. Let me, let me read you this quote from uh, Charles Spurgeon. He says, O hour of forgiven sin, moment of perfect pardon, our soul shall never forget you while within you life and being find immortality. Friends, trust God enough to rest and to remember and you will find that he is enough. And so if we Sabbath to remember God, we also Sabbath because, well, that's our second point. If God rested, you should too. If God rested, you should too. Um, for, the Lord's made, for the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them in six days when he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and declared it holy. Trust God enough to rest and you will find that he is enough. In Genesis 2, 1 through 3, we see the creation account of the world. God creates all these beautiful things, and then he sits back and he rests. God rests. Well, why does God need to rest? Well, I, I suppose in some ways he's showing us what we are to do, right? He's modeling to us. If someone rests that doesn't need to rest in the same way, then certainly you need to rest, in Genesis 2, 1 through 3, it says, So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. On the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, for on it he rested from all the work of his creation. Now, friends, did God need to rest? No. No, he didn't need to rest. Sometimes we do things to model it for others. Tony Evans says it well. He says this, Clearly, the all-powerful God didn't rest because he was tired. Rather, he rested so that he could enjoy what he had done. Likewise, after six days of work, we are also called to rest and enjoy the fruit of our labor. This is a valuable means of helping ourselves to avoid becoming so busy and preoccupied that we forget what God has done too. Now, I'd like to speak to me just for a moment. Pastor, pastor, how good are you, how good are you at resting, pastor? Should have put up a mirror, right? Like, talk to myself. And when I mean resting, I mean resting your brain, Pastor. Can you sit down in a waiting room without your phone, Pastor? Can you watch an old movie at your house without doing something else at the same time, Pastor? Can you just sit and enjoy the things around you without squirming, Pastor? Can you sit with a person and not look around them the whole time, Pastor? Now, pastor, how good are you at looking at something beautiful that God created and just enjoying it? Friends, what would it be like to just sit back and appreciate all your hard work? 
to appreciate the Lord's hard work, to appreciate his creation, to appreciate the goodness of his creation. It's hard to sit back and just enjoy something created and just rest in it. Have you ever seen Bill Belichick, that dude that cheats to win Super Bowls? <laughs> the moment he wins a Super Bowl, they're like, what are you thinking about? And he's like, next year. Dude, you can't even enjoy it for like 10 seconds. How, how sinful is that? You may say it's a, it's, a, like, it's a great energy and all that stuff, but what a sad, sad life. Now, did you know there are several actors and actresses who don't watch their own movies or shows? Do you know what that means? That means that Johnny Depp hasn't seen Edward Scissorhands. He hasn't seen What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Did you know that Joaquin Phoenix has not seen Walk the Line? Did you know he hasn't seen Gladiator? Oh my gosh, dude, that movie's crazy. I hated Joaquin Phoenix for years because of that movie. <laughs> like I saw him in other movies and I was like, no, he's a bad guy. He's, <laughs> he's not acting. He's not acting in that movie. But the thing is, is it's so sad that they've created something beautiful. They've been a part of something beautiful and they're unable to look at it. Now they have their reasons, but in the same way, sometimes we need to just sit back and enjoy the fruits of our labor or enjoy the creations of God. How are you not going to sit back and enjoy something beautiful? When I was a recording musician, I made about seven to eight albums. Um, I don't know what like, young people call them. What do we call them? Do we call them? Mixtapes? No. No, some, I made seven to eight records. records? I mean, do, what are young people? I don't even know what young people, I, I don't know. They're still albums. They're still albums. So I made, <laughs> I made seven to eight albums, okay? And I can tell you that I worked hard on every single one of them. But I can also tell you um, that there's like three of them that I'm so proud of. And I don't really care if you think that's like a, a bad pride. I worked hard on them, and I worked hard on them because I wanted to hear something beautiful that was in my head. And I'll tell you all the time, I sit back, and I'll listen to my own music that I made. If that's weird to you, that's fine. But I worked hard on them, and I want to appreciate them. So if you ever follow me on Spotify, sometimes it'll be like, pastors listen to his own music? Lame. But I worked hard on them, and I want to celebrate my hard work. And so in the, in the same way, we have to celebrate the hard work of God and celebrate the work that we've done to be where we are. Psalm 34, 8 through 9. Psalm 34, 8 through 9 says this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the person who takes refuge in him. Ooh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because we have to trust God enough to rest, and you will find that he is enough. God is telling you to enjoy the work of his hands. Enjoy his creation. Enjoy him. But you can't do that unless you stop collaborate, and listen. It totally fits. It does. Um, if you don't know what that reference is to, that's okay. It's vanilla ice. I had a friend of mine who would come in and just talk to me, and, uh, you know, a lot of times he'll see me in a coffee place, and I'll be working on my sermon. He doesn't care. He wants to talk to me, and he's a barber, and my friend who's a barber would come in and just talk. Actually, he would come in when I'm on a date with my wife and just start talking to us. Oh, I'll be out your way. 30 minutes later, he's not out my way. But this dude would come in, and sometimes I'd see him on Sundays, and he would say, oh, I'm, I'm going to work at the, the barbershop today. I'm like, are you not going to church? And he'd say, no, I'm not going to church today. I just, I want to, I want to, like, get ahead, you know, financially. And I would say to him, are you sure? Like, how are you, are you doing okay financially? Yeah, 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 I'm just trying to get ahead. I'm like, man, I just, I just and I, I don't know if this is sinful, but this is just me in my heart saying, I don't know if the Lord's going to bless that. I would just tell him straight up, he's my friend. And I'd say, I just don't know if the Lord's going to bless you trying to get ahead. I think that you should go and worship with the saints. And he would say, yeah, yeah, I feel you, pastor. 
all right, I'm gonna go cut some hair. I tell you what, it only had to happen twice that he called me and he was like, you know what? I need to just give the Lord his day because I didn't cut any head of hair on those days. And I have friends, those of you who, who work for uh, DoorDash and not Jordash, DoorDash and Uber Eats, I tell you, I really encourage you, schedule your calendar around uh, the Sabbath so that you can give God his due celebrate him, enjoy him, and I truly believe your work will be blessed because of it. Um, I say this to my friends who don't go to our church, okay? So um, I'm pretty consistent in this. So friends, according to Jefferson Bethke in his book, um, the, the name of the book is called To Hell with the Hustle. It's actually a Christian book. He says this. He says God has programmed you for rest. He says that God has programmed you for sleep. Um, he says that people who don't get adequate sleep are a 33% higher risk of dementia. He says that statistics say that those who suffer from chronic sleep deprivation are 50% 50 more likely to suffer from heart disease and obesity and three times more likely to catch a cold. So if you don't rest, you will rest. If you don't rest, you will be sat down. So um, I had a friend, uh, and he told me that he doesn't take days off. And he's a Christian dude, and we would always have this conversation where I'm like, I worry about you. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, I work 12 hours a day. I don't need to take days off. I'll sleep when I'm dead. And I tell you, this dude had more surgeries. He had more God-imposed rests in his life than he wanted. And it's because he was unable to just trust God with his time and sit back and enjoy God. So God desires that we remember and rest because he rested. But our final point on Sabbath is this. Sabbath is trust. Sabbath is trust, friends. So many of us think we uphold the universe. We uphold the universe of the people around us. We uphold our homes. We uphold, and I tell you, some of us are fighting through some rough things. And, and I want you to know that, that I understand that some of you are going through things, and not all of this will be applicable to you, okay? But we've been taught that if we don't work harder than anyone else to the point of hurting ourselves, things won't happen. Tell me if you don't feel that. Does anyone feel that, that we've been taught that? We have to work harder than everybody else. That's how I was raised. My dad told me, you will work harder than anybody else, and that's how you win. That's how you get ahead. Work harder than anybody else around you. When they're sitting, you run. That's what I was taught. And I tell you, it's helped me a lot, but I've had to consider maybe that his ideas of rest were not always healthy. Let, let, let people know you by your hustle, is what I was told. So you stay up crazy late getting work done, you get up super early, and then you have no energy for anything else. Now, I have to make this caveat, friends. For you men and women who scrap, scratch, and claw to provide for your family that are fending off poverty, I want to commend you for your hard work. You do what you have to do to make sure your family is taken care of. I understand you can listen to something like this and say, you don't get it. I'm trying to keep my family alive. This is, I'm not talking about keeping them alive, okay? You may have three jobs, and you may have three jobs because you have to do it, because every cent is accounted for. I don't want you to feel judged today. You are an amazing servant who does what you need to do, but at some point, if you are not careful, you'll keep working more than you need to, and that's where the problem comes in, friends. It's like, it's kind of like anything done too much is the problem. So if, if eating, if I'm telling you don't overeat, I'm not saying to people who are hungry you shouldn't eat, okay? Does that make sense? In the same way, I'm saying some of you have to work really hard to survive, and I get it. Um, 
But I will say the people you take care of don't need better vacations. They don't need better meals or Christmas presents. They need a more rested version of you. Does that make sense? When you overwork, your body will break down and then you won't be able to care for anyone because you will be dead. And I'm serious about that. We saw those statistics about heart disease. If you work hard for the people around you so hard um, that they never see you, you're not really serving them, are you? If you work so hard for your family um, that you die, then you're not serving your family, friends. Now, you know, you, I'm going to talk about Chick-fil-A right now. Um, and you know the thing about Chick-fil-A. Uh, some, some, some of you guys hate Chick-fil-A. Some of you guys love it. But you know the thing about Chick-fil-A is you always want it on Sunday, don't you? No matter what you think about the company and their politics or whatever, I don't know. What, but it's crazy to me that Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday. Crazy that they're closed on Sunday. That's when church people go eat. <laughs> Why would you close on the biggest day for when people want to go to Chick-fil-A? But they're closed on Sunday. They would make a killing, but they don't open that day. It's estimated that they lose between 500 to, or 50 to $100 million a year because of that. And I, and I bet you their employees, though, appreciate knowing they will always have a day off. That's why I would want to work for a company like that. They trust that God will take care of the business. Now, you may say, I'm poor. It's easy for billionaires to lose money. They already have so much. And I tell you, have you ever heard of a billionaire who had enough? I haven't. It's always more, more, more. The Sabbath, though, is for seeking God, serving God, and enjoying God, and enjoying his creation. It is not for getting a little bit more. It is not for getting way ahead financially. It's about God. Trust God enough to rest, and you will find he is enough. Pastor? <laughs> Did you know that God used to impose Sabbath rest um, for the land in Israel? Did you guys know about that? Anyone who knows farming knows that if you just farm and farm and farm without letting the land rest or grow fallow, then you will suck the land of its nutrients and nothing will grow again. God warned Israel about this in the Bible. Now, Exodus 23, 10 through 11 says this. This is God's command in Exodus 23, 10 through 11. Sow your land for six years and gather its produce. But during the seventh year, you are to let it rest and leave it uncultivated so the poor among your people may eat from it and the wild animals may consume what, what they leave. Do the same with your vineyard and your olive grove. Well, maybe that's just one Bible verse. So maybe we should get one more. Leviticus 25, 10 through 12. Leviticus 25, 10 through 12. You are to consecrate the 50th year and proclaim freedom in the land for all its inhabitants. inhabitants. It will be your jubilee. When each of you is to return to his property and each of you to his clan, the 50th year will be your jubilee. You are not to sow, reap what grows by itself, or harvest its unintended vines. It is to be holy to you because it is the jubilee. You may only eat its produce directly from the field. Wow. That sounds really hard, doesn't it? Like, you'd have to save up food the other years, and what if you weren't sure if you had enough? What would you do? That is probably why Israel looked at the God of the universe, the same God who turned the Nile to blood, who sent plagues and frogs and locusts upon Egypt and gave them their freedom from Egypt. They looked him in the eye and they said, nah, nah, we're not going to. We're not going to do it. We're not going to listen to you. And we could read this and go, oh, those people are the worst, right? And it's like, they're us, right? They're me, we look at God and we say, hey, 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 um, uh, I know that your Bible says this, but, uh, but, but Lord, can we just, let's just be realistic. 
Like, how often do we say to God, be realistic? Because he's not. And so we have something called the Babylonian captivity. Leviticus 26, 34 through 35 says this, Then the land will make up for its Sabbath years during the time it lies desolate while you are in the land of your enemies. At that time, the land will rest and make up for its Sabbaths. As long as it lies desolate, it will have the rest it did not have during your Sabbaths when you lived there. God is saying, hey, remember how I told you to do this? Remember how I told you to rest the land? Well, the land's going to rest. But that means that a king is going to come in, destroy your towns, destroy your city, and take you away so that the land can get the rest it needs. Let me read it to you again. In 2 Chronicles 36, 20 through 21, he deported those who escaped from the sword to Babylon, and they became servants to him and his sons until the rise of the Persian kingdom. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through Jeremiah, and the land enjoyed its Sabbath rest all the days of the desolation until 70 years were fulfilled. Friends, if you do not rest, God will cause you to rest. If you do not sit down, God will sit you down. Am I threatening you? No, I'm preaching to me, remember? Trust God enough to rest and you will find that he is enough. It is good rest though, it is good for you. So I'm gonna close with this, invite the band back up. The question then becomes, do we really believe God is enough to rest in him? Do we really believe that? Do we really make Sabbath rest a priority when compared to all the things? There's so many things our society is telling you to do now, to work, telling you to do sports, telling you to go to games, telling you to make sure you don't miss watching a game on TV, telling you you need to go do extra hours, telling you to do all these things. And the question is, do we believe him at his word that it's good to rest in this way? People tell me all the time, they tell me all the time that they're a good person. They do good work so they can get to heaven. They don't rest in him, they do good works. A man recently said this to me, I, this is no lie, within the last couple of weeks. He said this, without a hint of irony, Pastor, when I have a six-pack, I share. When I have a blunt, I share. And I know that God respects that. We laugh, but many of us think something very similar to ourselves, don't we? I do good things. I help people. I do more good than bad. And that's my ticket to heaven. But I tell you, we are to rest in him because that's not trusting the work of God. Your salvation cannot be earned through your work. It will never be enough. You'll do good yourself to death. The things we do for others do not cancel out the things that we've done. The things we should only come, these things should come only out of thankfulness in our hearts. Friends, you have to stop and rest in the work of Christ. That is what we call the gospel. That we, we were enemies with God. No matter how many good things we might do, we did terrible things against him. We sought our own way. We sinned against God. And we thought, well, just maybe if I do good things, it'll, it'll cancel it out. But there's no canceling out sin not by our power. And that is why we're called to rest in God. And so what, what Jesus did is he came to this earth. He lived a perfect life for me and you. He was the ultimate sacrifice. He died on the cross so he might cancel out our sin. And then he rose again on the third day, showing, revealing his power, his power over death, his power over sin, his power over us trying to do enough to earn it. He earned it for us, friends. And so if you find yourself working, 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 trying to just earn the love of God, trying to just be a good person, I tell you, it will never be enough. And I urge you to look to God now, to look to Jesus now and say, you're enough for me. Forgiveness and rest is only found in God. 
Even Jesus needed moments to rest with his father. In Luke 15, or Luke 5, 15, it says this, but the news about Jesus spread even more and large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. Friends, if God rested, you need rest. Rest in God. Spend time in his word. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in his church, and you will find a better life than you could ever have imagined. Kevin DeYoung says it this way. You don't have to earn anything. You don't have to prove anything. The world does not depend on you. Your salvation does not depend on you. In an ultimate sense, your, your family does not even depend on you. Can your heart hear the sweet voice of Jesus say, come to me and I will give you rest. Take him at his word, friends. Believe him, trust him, run to him. Friends, trust God enough to rest and you will find he is enough. Will you pray with me? God, how good is it to know that our trespasses are not taken against us if we would just surrender to you. How good is it to know that the things we've done are not counted against us if we just hold fast to you. God, we, we are sinful people, broken people, sometimes so sinful we don't even recognize it. And yet, you offer us hope. Thank you. Now, friends, in, in, in this moment, we'll bring our silent confession to God knowing he is good to forgive us. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you would look at us who just think that we can earn it, who think we can work hard enough, who think that we need to just get in front of you, that you still look at us and you say, it's cool. That you still forgive us when we, when we run to you. God, we ask you to forgive us from, for trying to be God. You forgive us for trying to be you, trying to control everything in our life. And would you help us to slow down, listen, worship, appreciate you for who you are. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for forgiving us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.